online, it's great to have you too. And uh, uh, visitors for the first time, I, I wonder if we have any new people here this morning. It's good to see you. If you are new, I wave to you, and I think the rest of the church would too. Good morning. God has a great plan for your life. It's great to have you with us this morning. I know some of the parents will be back in a moment, but um, it's a joy for us, isn't it, to hear these stories about what God is doing with people that aren't yet Christians. And I, I am so overjoyed by these stories because it's one thing for God to do it for us, but to see God affect and change people who don't know him yet, I believe it's going to draw them to come to a real faith themselves. And that's essentially the heart of God, that whatever he does in us, he wants to do through us. Now, this morning I've got, I believe, a word that will speak into everybody's life, and it, um, it's relevant for me too. And uh, I'm quite sure it's going to uh, encourage you, uh, touch your heart and your mind, and give you vision for what God wants to do through your life. And we've had a word from God for the year, which is like our kind of uh, light for the year, uh, a way to look into the year, and that is from Psalm 84. If we could have those two verses up on the screen, speaking about how blessed is the person whose strength is in God, whose heart is set on following Jesus or pilgrimage. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set. That's the person with a set heart. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, as they pass through, say as they pass through, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Now this morning, I just want to talk about the bit that says as they pass through the valley of Baca. And it's such a significant thing in the life of every follower, every person who sets their heart on following Jesus. It's significant because there is a passing through for all of us in different seasons of life, the valley of Baca. Now a valley is a low place. Has anybody ever experienced a low place? I have on numerous occasions. You might be going through a low time right now. Something has happened to you that has brought you down. And it's kind of like a symbolic of a, 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 a valley. Those low places are places where we really feel at the end of our own resources. But in those places, I have good news for you that God steps in and does some of his best work in valleys, in the low places of life. Because it's in the low places that we get to the end of our own resources, but we can reach for him and say, Lord, do something in my valley. And this scripture also speaks about a Baca experience. Now, the valley of Baca was like a desert or a dry place, symbolic of trouble. So because of many kinds of troubles, and that's all who want to live a godly life, a life that is set on following Jesus, there will be many kinds of troubles that come. And all of us in this room have experienced different troubles, but still troubles. Anybody want to be honest this morning? I have experienced trouble as I have set my heart on following Jesus. And there are many kinds of things that can reduce you to weeping or tears. That's another translation for the Valley of Baca. It's a place of tears, a dry place, a, tr a place where... You've dried up, everything's dried up, and things just aren't working. And in these times, I believe God does a, an incredible work that changes this for our good and also for the good of others. 
Now, when we are in the valley, we don't really want to know about whether God changes us. We, we just want out. Does anybody? <laughs> actually, when I'm in a valley, I just want out. I want to be lifted up. But actually, God steps in to that place and he actually does something that shows that he's God. There's a scripture that actually for the first time, I hadn't read it before. I must have because I've read the Bible before through cover to cover many times. But there's a scripture in 1 Kings chapter 20, verse 28. And to, to be honest with you, it's become one of my favorites. And I hope you're going to love this too. If we could have it up on the screen. It speaks about how the enemy says something about people who are in a valley. So how the enemy speaks and talks about valley experiences. And he says, your God is only a God of the mountains, but not the God of the valleys. The enemy says, your God is the God of the mountains and not the God of the valleys. One Kings, I will, I will quote it directly from scripture. The Lord says, because the enemy has said, the Lord is God of the hills, but he's not of the valleys. Therefore, I will bring victory essentially in this low place. God promises victory. You see, we are fine when our Christian experience is on a high place. And we say, oh, look, everything's going really well. But the enemy, when we're at the low point, communicates, God isn't God of the low place. He's not going to do anything about this. He can't. What is there that God can do to change this situation? So God is the God of the low place. And I'm here to, to declare what the, what the Lord says over your low place. If it's today, if it's from yesterday, or if it's in your future. God is the God of the valley, not just the God of the mountain. He brings great victories, triumph, success, but he also meets us in a low place and he lifts us up and does an amazing work and brings us back up into a place of strength and life. The Apostle Paul experienced lots of low places. If you've read about his life, his life following Jesus with his heart set, that's the key, his heart was set on following. He wasn't somebody who was uh, running his own agenda. He was set on following. And it's amazing how, especially if you reset your life as we have at the beginning of this year, through encounters and prayer, and resetting our focus on following Jesus, it's amazing how much trouble comes. Has anybody experienced a bit more trouble since setting your heart? It's amazing what happens because the enemy wants to oppose everyone who steps forward. In uh, England rugby, which they didn't do very well yesterday, to be honest, even the Scots can beat the English these days. <laughs> but, you know, it's when they move forward, the opposition comes. And the opposition can push you back. And we can take steps forward for Jesus, but we have to be aware that there is a war. There's a real enemy who stirs up circumstances or brings trouble. Jesus says that in the world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome it. So in other words, the trouble won't overcome you if we learn how to bring God into our valleys and lift us up out into the mountaintop again. Because his plan is that he is the lifter. He's not the one who brings trouble. I think sometimes people have a very confusing theology. And I think this is one of the most important things that you and I understand about God is that he's a good father. And that everything that Jesus did, who is a 
perfect representation of the Father, of God. Everything he did was good. He didn't bring trouble. He came to solve the trouble and bring the solutions. And I, I want to, you to think of a child with a father who is with one hand abusive and with the other a comforter and a blesser. That child would only ever think, I wonder what kind of mood my dad's in. It would undermine the confidence of that child. Am I right? Now, I don't mean godly discipline. That is part of raising a godly family. But I'm speaking about disciplining in love, not out of wanting that child to come to a low place so that you can show that you're the, the one who's in control and can lift them again. God is not that God. If he is that God in your mind, get rid of that thinking and come to the mind of Christ that God is good all the time, all the time God is good. So he is not the trouble bringer. And Jesus says that we have an adversary, an somebody who opposes us, and his name is Satan, who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But it, whatever, and many of you have been through experiences, I haven't. There are many in this room who've experienced a low place, a really low place, whether you're young or you're old, there are things that you've gone through that are different to me, but I too have experienced low places. And I never, ever blame God. Because if I do, I will walk away from the only one who can bring me out of the valley that I'm in. And so actually in a low place, the solution is to run to Jesus. It is actually to run to him because he is the solution. He's the one who can change everything that has happened in experience. So back to Paul. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. And I'm, I'm just wanting to unpack this morning about how God is the God of the valley. And this shows you how Paul found the Lord to be more than enough and the one who lifted him out of a very low place. Now, uh, I've been thinking about this. There are um, little dips that, or ravines in life, but there's one or two Grand Canyons. And I would say Paul was a Grand Canyon kind of follower. He had massive valleys. And he doesn't ignore the fact of what happened to him. In fact, in, in 2 Corinthians, he actually wears his heart on his sleeve. He says, actually, this happened to me. And you can read about them later on in 2 Corinthians, how he was hard-pressed on every side. He suffered betrayal. He'd suffered people walking away. There were soul pressures because the pain isn't just physical in the shipwrecks and in the stoning and the beating for the sake of following Jesus. The pain was in the soul, which is often harder to handle, is it not, beloved? Does anybody want to say yes to that? It's harder to handle soul valley than her physical valley sometimes because the pain is real internally and externally. So Paul does not ignore the pain that he went through. And that's why this is like, uh, rises like a phoenix out of the ashes. I believe this scripture shows us who God is and what God can do. So we're going to read this in 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Have we got it up there? 2 Corinthians 1. Sorry, I meant to get the scriptures to you, and I don't think I did. It's my, my bad. Um, 
2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3. And if it can't come up, I'm going to say it. Ha! But it's always good to have a Bible in front of you anyway, so that you can actually not just get it on a screen, but you can find your way around your own. Not just be given everything. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. That means troubles, pressures, difficulties, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we're afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings for which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast. Because we know that you are partakers of the suffering. That's the bit we don't like. But the good news is, so that you will also partake of the consolation or the comfort. Now what's interesting for me is that Paul says, seven times he refers to trouble, tribulation. Ten times, comfort. There's more comfort than trouble. Because God is able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. No matter what the enemy does, God can change that and turn it for good. And you might not think like that, but I believe the scriptures are clear that we are to think like this. Thank you, God, no matter how low I go, you're the God who can bring me up and out of it. You can comfort me and enable me to be different and to be someone who can help others. I've been so helped by people who have been through things that it, it, it's, it's something that someone carries in their spirit. It's a spiritual help. It's not psychology and it's not human ability. It's not sympathy. It's something that comes from someone who's both got the, the heart and the compassion of God for me in a difficult situation. So that what can happen is I get life from the Holy Spirit when they talk to me. And Paul was saying, actually, it's not just about you receiving from God. It's you actually bringing Holy Spirit life to one other person that might be broken by what's happening to them. And he says, God's the God of all comfort. Now, this is not southern comfort, which gives you a headache The side effects are shocking if you run to other comforters. Buy something on your credit card. It will bite you back. Be comforted by telling yourself you're great all the time. That can bite you back too. But God is the God of all lasting, lifting, powerful comfort. And he says, I'm the source of all true comfort. And Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will be just like me and he will be called the paraclete. Or the meaning of that is to be called alongside to help. You know, when I've, for example... Pastor Andrea has a gift to comfort. She's been through a lot. She has a grace on her life that actually, if I need help, I just go stand there. <laughs> and I'm like... And she gives Holy Spirit comfort. 
She's got a grace on her to give comfort to you. It comes from the spirit. It comes from the heart. It comes from something God has done in her that actually I can receive from. And there are many that I know here today that can do the same, but in different ways. Because of what you've been through, you carry something in God. And so whenever, like if I'm looking for God's comfort through a person, because I'm not looking for psychology, I will not go to people who don't know God. They've got nothing to really say that's going to help me. Because only God can bring me truly out of what I might be going through. Whether it's in your marriage or with your kids or with some disaster that's happened in your family or, or some great loss which has reduced you to a place where you don't know what to do. Paul, in verse 8, actually he goes on to say, it, what happened to us he said, brought us to the place where we despaired even of life. Now, Paul knew that Grand Canyon. He knew the low place. But he actually says, in that place God met me. I reached for him and he put something on the inside of me. His presence comforts me. Jesus actually said, and this might have happened to you, he said, everybody left me, and he said, you will all, even his disciples, he said, you'll all be scattered, but my father will never leave me. The presence of his father meant that he never felt alone. He was comforted, and the Holy Spirit has come to live in you, to always be present with you. You are never on your own. Say, I'm never on my own. God is with me always. No matter what low place you're in, you might feel you're on your own, but that's not the truth. God is there. And he's moved with compassion to help. It's out of his great love for us that he wants to do something to lift you and strengthen you, to rebuild what has been broken and torn down so that you become even stronger because of the valley. You become stronger in God because of the valley. The low place the enemy meant for evil, but God has turned it for good so that you can be a blessing to many. But also the Lord strengthens, not just by his presence, but by giving you a word. He speaks in valleys. I love what he did with Ezekiel. Very relevant for us as a church. He saw all the bones. Love this. A valley of dry bones. What did he do? He made them come together and live through his word and through his spirit. God is able to take a valley that is dry and gone and bring something so strong and powerful, an exceedingly great army, out of something that was lifeless and hopeless. But God speaks in valleys, in your low place. He speaks, when Jesus was facing the cross, which was to be untold agony, none of us will ever know what Jesus experienced in suffering for our salvation. But he endured the cross, the suffering, the beating, the mocking, the rejection, the hate. He endured it. Because he said, I believe one of the ways he's endured, he endured it was when he said to his disciples, now my soul is troubled to the point of death. You can read it in John's Gospel. In other words, I'm in such a low place it, internally. Yeah, I'm in such a low place internally. 
But he still said, Father, glorify your name. I'm not going to say, save me from this, because actually this is what your plan is for my life. So never get out of what he wants you in. His will sometimes means, in fact, you can't follow Jesus without taking up your cross and denying yourself to follow. You can't. You can't build a godly marriage. You can't love brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't be a light without denying self and taking up your cross. And Jesus was facing the worst cross. Nobody ever will face anything like it. But he said, my soul's troubled to the point of death. But he said, Father, even at this point in my lowest place, glorify your name. Wow, what a prayer. In the valley, is there anybody in the valley this morning? Glorify your name, Lord. Glorify your name. I'm in pain, but glorify. Lift up the name of Jesus. And you know what, God? There was a voice that came. God said, God spoke. And God speaks into valleys. And he said this. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. In other words, this isn't for nothing. Every valley, it isn't for nothing. God's going to glorify his name, and he will glorify himself if we have the right approach to the low place, the right attitude to it. I don't want to emphasize, I I just want to say there are many different kinds of low places, right? Financially, relationally, there's a low place sometimes that we feel like we're nowhere. Nobody sees us. There's low places of rejection for your faith because you stand for Jesus. Some face low places because of persecution or prejudice. I remember uh, working in a church. It was actually a black church in Washington, D.C. And sometimes I think I know, I don't know what some people go through because of their color. May they never experience anything but full acceptance, all of you, whatever color and background. Love accepts, we're all one. In Christ Jesus. But I, I was in that experience where people walked away from me because I was white. Actually, I appreciate that because I know what I felt. And I can felt, I can feel. Because black people were prejudiced against me. Little white face. They didn't want me. It's amazing, isn't it? It doesn't matter where you are, you can be rejected because of many things. Your accent, some people don't like. Some people reject you because of your age. May we never do that in the body of Christ. The young and the old and everything in between, we give thanks to the Lord for all ages. But what I've been through, through rejection, and and particularly as a pastor, I've never known fire like it. I thought I had fire before. The fire just got extreme when I became a pastor, and it still does. And now I talk to pastors. I used to preach to pastors before I was a pastor, but now I don't just preach. I go, eh, I know what it's like. Eh, it all oozes out of me. Why? Because I know what it's like when people don't want Jesus or, or just walk in whatever way they want or aren't really hungry for God or whatever, or betray or slander or just abuse or have offense or it just hurts. And that's sharing in the suffering of Christ. I've gone into more suffering and I hope I've gone into more grace. Grace. Oh, that was just such a heartfelt cry from Pastor Angie. Oh, yes, you have. Oh, yes, she has. Come on, church, let's thank the Lord that the pastor's changed. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. And may I continue to change. And may you too. Isn't it interesting, the woman with the alabaster jar, nothing really happened, nothing came out of God, nothing of the anointing will flow until you're broken. And this isn't head knowledge. Paul isn't talking about head knowledge. He's saying, I have been through to the point of despairing. But in that place, it all happened that I wouldn't trust myself. Now, Paul, if anybody could trust his brilliant mind... God isn't opposed to the mind or your brilliance that he created and gave you. Whatever you're brilliant at, he already gave it to you. He's not against it, but what he is against is self-confidence. And often prosperity and success, you can rise again. And I'm sure Paul had his dangerous times of being proud, where he could have risen. But the valley kind of sorted out some of the resurgence of self-confidence. And he went back down to a place of, I can't do anything about this, I need you, God. And so actually, it's even working for good in that, that if the enemy sends trouble, it can bring me to a new place of humility where I find grace to help in my time of need. And when I look at somebody else, I say, oh, bless them. I've been through that low place where God humbled me. And I'm going to pray that he will lift you up. So in other words, my experience is translating into an anointing, an alabaster jar, broken and being poured out, that the anointing can flow and touch another broken heart, touch a life that has lost vision. In fact, that's what I'm doing this morning, pouring out. And I trust life's coming. And the word is coming, truth's coming to set you free and give you vision of past experiences or current or let me tell you your future. You will have many troubles. But God is bigger than the trouble and he is not just God of the mountaintop. He is also God of the valley. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Paul, you know, in the low place, there is valley talk. You know that, don't you? When you're in a low place, I call it valley talk. And how have you had valley talk? You wanted to just uh, sew your lips together. Because you know that the complaint and the moan And the, I'll never get through this. I'll never get over it. It's too bad. Everything's bad. It's all bad. You know, if you know the Lord, what you say is where you end up. Because your tongue is like the rudder of a ship that directs your course out of that valley. Or you stay in it. And many become bitter, not better, in the valley. And they start to speak negatively, look to blame somebody else for what's happened. Rather than forgive, a root of bitterness goes down deep and all you get is moan. And why don't they do this and why this and why that? And actually, you ain't never coming out in that condition. Because we can't receive from God when we are living with offense. It blocks you and it blocks your prayer life. And so that's why Jesus said, forgive as I have forgiven you. I was treated badly, Jesus said. You'll be treated badly, but still forgive. And Paul, he found a new experience in a valley that he would never have had. And he was suddenly, like, getting excited. I can just imagine him going, God, what you've done in me to lift me. How I feel in my soul, I am experiencing the very life of 
the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, and peace is starting to flow where misery, weeping, and uh, despair used to live. Because God's the healer. He said, brilliant, I can give more. See, Paul didn't think of his life as a dam, but as a river. As someone who is a giver, not a keeper. Not someone who is amassing experiences with God, but receiving from God so that he could be a giver and someone else will receive life. You see, God has not just put his spirit in you. He's also set you in as a member of the body of Christ. As my body is joined, otherwise I wouldn't be preaching this morning. Is that true? I'd be a little amoeba on the floor. (laughs) Or you'd just get my head. As my body is joined, God sets every Christian in a local church, which he calls his body. Each is the member or belongs to the other, so my finger belongs to my leg. And Jesus calls himself the head. So, pandemic hits. Many lived in an out-of-body experience. Is that God's will? We survived it. Some of us even thrived in it because we found grace. Others are still out of body. But it's those who are set in the place that God, you see, God sets you in church. God, not I decided to leave and go somewhere else. God sets members in. I can't emphasize this enough. And I believe we are counteracting when we meet together and love each other and pray for one another and have connection time. Then actually we're counteracting the false church culture. Or go for it, preach it, Pastor Judith. That is actually isolation Pick and mix, not living a life of love and service to God within the body. Anybody want to clap that? Because I reckon that's the revelation of Jesus, the head of the body. And so, a bit more than Sundays, by the way, the connection. But if if I cut my finger... If my body goes, if my finger goes, oh, I'm cut, I'm leaving. (laughs) I'm moving away because I hurt. There's some revelation that, isn't it? I'm moving on because I'm hurt. You'd think, stupid finger. Spirit of stupid just landed on my finger. (laughs) Or if the finger was cut, hurting, and the body said, run, they're hurting. But it doesn't happen like that. Healing doesn't happen like that, does it? Healing happens because the whole body, including the head, say, boys, we've got to go in. <laughs> Let's rush in. I can't because I'm the head. I'm not actually attached. But I'm sending you. 
This is great preaching. I didn't know it would come out like this. I'm sending you. Hand. Start to move around it. But those closest to it in the body, let the healing power of the Holy Spirit move through the comfort of the word, the promises you've received, and the life. Let it flow. Aren't we supposed to be building one another up? Each part doing its... Each part doing its... Not each part taking its share. (laughs) But receiving and giving because we belong together. A life of following Jesus. There is always a they. There is a tribe you belong to. And you're my tribe. (laughs) You're my people. And if you haven't found the place God has for you, we'd love to have you. But we don't want you out of emotion. We want you out of conviction. (laughs) That you are called for such a time as this to add comfort and building and strength to the local church of Jesus Christ. And you see, just as my body, if it's healthy, is healing itself, with the comfort Sam's received, he can give to Brian, who can give to Paul, who can give to Wendy, who can give to Claire, who can give, who can give, who can give, who can give. But it doesn't stop there, because the whole world is without God and without hope. There is a world of helpless, hopeless people just next door or in your office. And let it flow, Lord. The real experiences and new graces that Paul received, it was like, this is for everyone. What I go through is for everyone. And there are so much wealth and resources in the church for those who have reached out for Jesus and not run from Jesus. For those who have acknowledged that God is with me and he can raise, he can raise the dead. He raises every dead thing and he brings his resurrection life. Comfort, strength, that's the other meaning of that word, the strengthener, the one to help. He rushes in. You know, I love the scripture. He's close to the brokenhearted. So in other words, he doesn't just go like that and say, right, well, I hope you get on okay. He rallies around someone who's broken to mend, to lift. And then he says, if you and me, when you see, as I see, everything in you is going to become a river because it will move your heart, not just your head. I'm going to finish with this. And you'll know what I mean. All of you will know. Whether you've been through a financial challenge where you didn't know you'd get out of debt and God spoke to you and he gave you wisdom on how to handle your finances God's way. I know of of many who've tithed faithfully and all I see is blessing. I just see God blessing them. You've got a story to tell of the comfort that you've received from God. But I've also known those who've had heartache beyond anything a lot of us will face. And I watched them sing a song we're all going to sing this morning. I will sing of the goodness of the Lord. The way they sing it is like the jar broke. But God's coming through. And so when they sing, it's a different sound. 
than the one who knows that they should sing about the goodness of God in everything. There's an experiential grace. You know what I mean, don't you? They've gone through it and have been lifted from the valley to the mountain. You see, head knowledge is one thing, but life experience with God is something so precious that there are many in this room, what you've been through, the devil thought he had you, and he thought he had me. But I'm here to tell you that God's bringing you up, and he's going to bring you out of it, He's going to prove that he is God of the valley and the mountain and you are going to be someone who has a ministry of comfort. See, the training isn't just in the word. For Paul, it was a training in the experience. The word and the experience produced a compassion that was able to flow. So whether you're in a Grand Canyon or a bit of a dip, my God... Is the God of it all. And he's the one who can comfort like no other. But more than if your trouble took you from there to there, God will lift you higher. Amen. The trouble down there, higher. Shall we stand? And we'll have the team. Thanks, guys. Praise God. He is the God of all comfort. I'd like you to say, my God is the God, not just of the mountain, but of every valley. Let's declare our faith. My God isn't just the God of the mountain. Thank you for the mountaintops, Lord. I love them. (laughs) I'm so grateful for the mountaintops. He's the God who blesses, and he's the God who does amazing things when life's good. But Lord, thank you that you are the God of the valley. And Lord, I just thank you today for your word and insight that shows us and and gives us faith, Lord, that whatever low place any one of us is in, if you're in a low place, I'd like to pray, we would like to pray. Body, shall we lift our hands? Whoever, God knows which one of you is in a really low place today. And we're going to pray for you as a whole body. The body's going to heal itself through the power of the Holy Spirit, not not through our own ability. Holy Spirit, move into every low place. Heal. Lord, I know that whatever the trouble has been, it's caused weeping, confusion. It's caused despair at points for some of us. But right now, Holy Spirit, move in. Come on, church, let's believe for the flow of the river of life. Holy Spirit, comfort with your presence. Heal. Bind up that broken heart, that broken life. Where there is death, bring life. Where something communicates it's over, thank you, Lord, it's a new beginning. Amen. Something that's a desert, thank you, Lord, for the reign of your spirit. Lord, where there is something that is so difficult to face, I thank you, you make us brave. You make us strong. Come on, let's let's be a brave church through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the promises in the valley. Thank you for valley talk that will enable us to speak our way out of these things. Lord, we pray that our mouths will not be filled with complaints. We wouldn't go bitter, but better. Lord, I thank you for the grace that you have placed on the whole body for all my brothers and sisters here. I thank you, Father, for what they've been through and they've allowed you to lift them. I thank you, Father, that you've done new things. We've got new graces and experiences to give. And I pray that we will be a body that is healing one another, that the comfort we've received, we will be like a river and not a dam. And Lord, let it flow into our workplaces, into our, the people we meet, our neighbours, our friends who don't know you. Lord, let that comfort, that love that actually comes from you, but through us flow like a river, heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free this week because of what you've done in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you 
that this isn't just a message. I believe you will continue to lift. You've begun something this morning and I believe, Lord, you're going to bring them above the trouble. Those individuals that feel very low this morning, I believe, Father, there's going to be a complete turnaround. Now, before we worship him and praise him and sing of the goodness of God and I'm aware of the whole team behind me have experienced comfort and have allowed the Lord to break through their lives. I just want you to say, Lord, I trust you in every low place because that's what Paul needed to do. I trust. It's faith, you see. It's not because you feel different, it's because you trust. Reach out, take hold of his hand and say, Lord, thank you, you're going to bring me out of this. Raise me up. Heal me, restore me. Give me fresh vision. And Lord, I thank you that what you've done in my history and also are doing in my present becomes a gateway for the life of your spirit to flow through. I pray I wouldn't be a dam damming up all these experiences but I'll be a giver and I thank you Lord as I give more will be given good measure pressed down shaken together running over hallelujah thanks Jesus thanks Lord let's worship him and sing for everything he has done in our past but also in our present, let's sing in faith that he's done something today to change your situation and equipped us for every future valley experience. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaith.com sw.com